Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4.23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. If you have your Bible with you, I'll invite you to open up to Luke chapter 2. You can also follow along on the words of Scripture that are in the screen. You'll find in Luke chapter 2, around verse 22, that it clearly tells us that Mary and Joseph are going to Jerusalem uh, to present Jesus at the temple. We're going to pick up specifically with the encounter that's verses 36 through 38. This follows the rather famous encounter of Song of Simeon. That's included in verses 25 through 35. But this is what Anna responds to. Remember, she's on the Temple Mount. Jesus has been brought forward. Uh, What's interesting is some people believe Simeon, being the male, wasn't really attentive to the boundary issues and just grabbed the child and lifted him up, right? Anna's the grandmother figure. She's going to go in a little softer, right? She's probably not going to take him out of his arms. That's all conjecture, but you have a specific prophet in Simeon and a specific prophet in Anna. And I want to focus on Anna's response and words. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Peniel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them, which would be Mary and Joseph, at that very moment, that moment being when Simeon has lifted up his song about who Jesus is, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And the word of can also be translated in. It's a sense of of and in. Everybody who was there who was looking for God's redemption in and a part of Jerusalem. They were in Jerusalem looking for God's redemption. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, let's pray together. Eternal God, show us your word and your covenant within your word. Your grace within your covenant your goodness in your grace, your love in your goodness, and yourself in your love, on the face of Jesus Christ. And may your Holy Spirit stand between me and your people so that the words of my mouth and meditation of our hearts together will be shaped, formed, and molded into the good news of the gospel of Christ. In whose name we pray, in whose name we gather, and in whose name we will depart and seek to serve you faithfully. And all of God's people did say, Amen. I want to focus on Anna because it's often the overlooked individual in this post-Christmas narrative. Uh, A lot of attention is given to uh, Simeon. He's got this amazing song of, Lord, now let us thou thy servant depart in peace, for I've seen the salvation of Israel. And maybe everybody is hearing that. Uh, There's a beautiful piece written called Nuke Dementis. 
uh, that is this song of Simeon that's sung by choirs. But, but Anna's a little different. Anna's a unique character because she can be overlooked, but what's fascinating is we're told clearly she's of the tribe of Asher. So here are just some biblical details that make the narrative become three-dimensional. First, the tribe of Asher was known as the tribe that had land against the Mediterranean. They were known especially for their olive oil and also all of their um, basically agriculture. And so it's fascinating to know that a woman who was identified clearly being of the tribe of Asher is in the temple because one of the most central aspects within the ritual and the liturgy of the temple was the olive oil. It was used for consecration. It was used to, um, for the lamps to keep them burning. And the second fascinating thing is the rote that Mary and Joseph took into Bethlehem, from Bethlehem into Jerusalem, would have been the same road that other lambs were brought and sheep. Because you see, Bethlehem was the place where all of the sheep were raised that would be transferred over to Jerusalem for periods of Passover and sacrifice. And this is a different lamb that's coming to Jerusalem for a different reason, but we hear the foreshadowing echo of John the Baptist who recognizes Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And what's fascinating is when you look at the New Testament witness, when you look at these clues about being mentioned in the tribe of Asher, it's a unique category. There are only three other individuals who are named by association as to what tribe they are from. The first is Jesus. He's listed as a lineage of David in the tribe of Judah. The second is Saul, the tribe of Benjamin, who becomes Paul. And the third is Barnabas, who's mentioned as a Levite. These special designations are amazing. And it says that she lived in the temple day and night. And while some would say, well, that doesn't make sense. How can you live there day and night? Well, if we look at 2 Chronicles chapter 34, we see that Huldah was a prophetess. And when Josiah's reform brought back and restored the temple, this is what the text said. There was a prophetess, Huldah, who lived in the temple day and night and never departed, but served God. It was actually Huldah who discovers the book of the law and brings it forth. These amazing characters that God uses that often can be overlooked. But what is the focus of her? The focus of her life is to say, this is the one we've been looking for. If we do the calculations and make some assumptions, it'd been at least probably 62 years. If she married at the age of 15, which is typical in Jewish time, and she was married for seven years, that would make her roughly 22 at the time she became widowed, and she was 84. For 62 years, let's say, in excess of 60 years, she was in the temple day and night. They had provided quarters for her. She was there. She was recognized. And what was she doing the whole time? She was constantly looking for the redemption, the one who would be the hope of Israel, the one who would redeem this word redeem, it literally means in the Greek to pay for the penalties of sins. So it's amazing when we think about the resiliency of one who not only knew God, but knew how to recognize God moving in others because she recognized Simeon's song and she was able to take all of that together and to gather the attention and point everybody to say, this is the one 
we've been looking for. Friends, what are you looking for? I love the way that uh, in my research for today, I discovered a poet who's now deceased. Her name is Mary Lou Sleevey. She's a Serbian Orthodox uh, layperson. She died in 2014. She was committed as a lay theologian to poetry and art around the ministry of women connecting it with the gospel. And she wrote a book of poetry called Sisters and Prophets. I have... Ten extra copies on the front row if any of you are interested in reading her whole devotional poetry on Anna. She wrote, I went on the internet, cut and pasted, this is how much it is. I'm just going to read a couple of excerpts that help us capture. She says, a lifetime of focus is all in her eyes. Thanks be to God. The old woman is truly beautiful and beautifully true. As prophets do, Anna ensured that the message would get beyond the temple. Anna's Jesus moment is an elder's consummate belief in the dream that has finally come true. Constantly in temple, the temple of her heart, she became familiar with every inch of her living space, including its own limitations. In worshiping day and night, she spent her vitality on an extravagance of prayer and discovered that she was strong. Life with wisdom, a trilogy of faith, hope, and love. In Anna's everyday essence, love of God and faith in a people and a faith in a God and a love of people were insatiable and inseparable. And her fasting produced a gluttony of hope. Don't you love that phrase? A gluttony of hope. Anna, dimming eyes, still forward-looking, crinkled with joy. Anna, Anna is anticipation She is an image of constancy and change, the progression of peace and purpose at any stage of life. Hers is the holy city. Solitude, as Anna lived it, lessens the fear of the death moment. With God, no one ever stops saying hello. I love that imagery of how Anna's life, intimacy with God, pointing to others. This is a lesson for you and me. As we are intimate with God in our daily devotional life, the reading of Scripture, daily devotional life and prayer, living together in community, it heightens our ability to hear what God wants to do in our lives and heightens our sensitivity to know who we are in community together and where God is moving. And when we bring those together, no one ever stops tiring of saying, hello, to God. When I was with the uh, Kairos team last year at Polonsky, one of the men on the team was Daryl. Daryl uh, was a uh, previous co- offender. He was out and he went back in as a team member to help lead. He attends when he can here in our men's group on Friday morning and we stay connected with him through text messages and words of encouragement. And on day two, uh, we were walking into Polunsky, and you have to walk between the very specific lines. And as we walk, we are staged. We're going in, and gates close behind us, gates open in front of us. We walk along, and, and Daryl looks over to a central yard where there's a man with a lawnmower going back and forth. And he says, that's my buddy. And the guy stops the mower to see who's walking through. And he begins to make a motion towards the fence. We can't stand outside the lines, but the guards just sort of look the other way. We step over the line a little bit toward the edge of the fence, and there's a a greeting that goes back and forth. And then his friend says this, Hey, Daryl, brother, freedom looks good on you. 
Man, doesn't freedom look good on every one of us? Right? Being set free. This is the purpose of the coming of Christ, right? To set us free. To free us and to give us the opportunity, not just to be freed from, but freed for something of purpose. And when we gather at this table, when we come and we remember God's faithfulness, we are reminded we are a people. A people called by God who should never tire of saying hello to God and letting our lives be instruments of an invitation of a hello to others. Of never ceasing that once you've been introduced and you're part of that family faith, growing into what it means, being stretched by God, learning to live the faith in practical ways, to be the hands of Christ in the world, whether it be in this community, whether it be in acts of service, or whether it be partnering to provide fresh water to people you will never meet, whose lives you may change. Friends, we really have a lot in common with Anna. We really do. If we would be intimate in our reading of Scripture and daily devotional life with God, it will help us to discern God's voice and call amidst all of the voices in this world. And when we heighten our awareness in community together, we see where God is moving and we celebrate God's story of redemption because it's never, never too late to say hello to God. Jesus said something like that when he grew in wisdom and stature and he talked about a sheep that was lost and was found. And he said, when the one that is lost is found, there is great rejoicing in heaven. Friends, live your life in such a way in response to the sacrament of Holy Communion that the invitation is extended and heaven rejoices and your heart is joined to God's. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.